in today's show. We'll look back at all of Sunday's action, including a crazy comeback by the Dallas Mavericks' Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and contests and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. And we are available on all platforms. We're going to look at the eight games today. We're going to cover a bit of news things. So, Warnie. Let's get it on, Gilly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Kyrie Irving talked about this on What to Watch For show earlier today. That was just after the news came out that New York City is relaxing their vaccine mandate on March the 7th. But we actually don't know what's going on with Kyrie. Because Woj came out with the initial tweet and said, hey, it looks like Kyrie is going to play. Then Shams came in and said, no, I don't think so. And now there's so much back and forward speculation of if he's going to be available to play, does this vaccine, uh, employee vaccine mandate apply to people who don't live in New York because he lives in New Jersey? Um, Are there exemptions for professional athletes? Can the Brooklyn Nets declare Barclays Center a place that doesn't require it? There's so much unknown at this stage. I think it's fair to say that he won't be available on March, yeah, from March 7th onwards um, for home games. But there's whispers that maybe this takes effect on March the 13th. In essence, what we've heard here about Kyrie is that we don't know. Is that we know that, again, likely the vaccine mandate in New York, whatever it's key to New York, uh, will be lifted on March 7th. But we don't know whether that's going to be applied to Kyrie. The mayor's personal assistant or secretary, I think, said that, it, yeah, that he will not be eligible to play due to this lifting. But I don't think we have real clarity on it, which is really frustrating. Um, I think all we've got to do, obviously, we're not trading away for Kyrie. I think trading for Kyrie, if you get a discount, it does feel like he's going to play. I fear that it might be in April after fantasy season's over and in time for the playoffs. That's what I fear might happen. But honestly, there's just so much um, up and down or back and forward or just confusion in general about where this rule sits, whether we agree with it or not or how silly it is that he can go into Barclays Center and he can sit uh, on the bench, but he can't participate and play, which I think we all acknowledge is pretty stupid. But it doesn't matter if we acknowledge that it's stupid or not, whether it stays in place or not, is really going to be the big question as, as to whether he's going to be able to get back onto the court or not. The next thing is ambiguity regarding Michael Porter Jr., I guess. Adrian Wojnarowski said that it's possible that we could be leaning towards him preparing for on-court contact. In fact, what he officially said was progressing to be cleared for on-court contact within the next week. This does not mean that he will be cleared. It means he's likely to be cleared for on-court contact within the next week, allowing him a path to return to the lineup sometime in March. 
Now, I know a lot of people are all rushing to go and grab Michael Porter Jr. But let me phrase it to you this way. Michael Porter Jr. was bad at the start of the year. Yes, that is to do with his back injury. There's no doubt about that. But, okay, back on the court in the next week for contact. Right, so that takes you through to, say, March 6th, March 7th. And then he freed to return. So you'd assume that he's not coming back before March 15th, probably not before March 20th. Maybe he's back on the 27th. All right, is that going to be useful for you to hold and clog up an IL slot or clog up a bench spot for Michael Porter Jr. that when he comes back, I don't think he's playing 30 minutes straight away. Maybe he does. I'd be pretty shocked. Maybe he ramps up to 30 by the 6th of April if he even comes back at all. And then... The doctor, Michael Malone, renowned surgeon slash physiotherapist slash just general um, health and wellness practitioner, Michael Malone, he came out and said, I don't, this, I don't know about this, this is bullshit. Like, I didn't say it. Didn't come from the Nuggets. Didn't come from Tim Connolly. Came from his agent. Or Malone didn't say that part. He just said it didn't come from anybody inside the Nuggets. Remember, the Nuggets got an exception for Porter from the NBA where independent doctors looked at him and said, no, this bloke's not back before June. He might be back in March. Maybe this is all true. I'm just having a heavy dose of skepticism. Again, in around the time where we were talking about fantasy playoffs, I don't think he's back. Two weeks would be absolutely a stunning development. I cannot see that happening. Even if he is cleared within the next week for on-court work, to be back on the court playing in two weeks would be staggering to me. You are free to make whatever decision you want. And I'll be wrong about this. I could be wrong about this. And I'll be wrong about plenty of other things throughout whatever time that I do this or whatever time you listen to this, whatever. However long I do this, I will be wrong about lots of things. Just, it doesn't seem to add up to me that A, Malone is like, no. B, he had back surgery, which is allegedly ruling him out to through June. And C, that he's even going to have any sort of impact before I would say March 20th at the earliest, which is three weeks from today. I cannot see that being the case. Again, easily wrong. Can easily be disproven. I am not adding him. I'm not suggesting he be added. I would not bother with it. But again, you are free to make whatever read on that situation that you want. It just doesn't feel like it makes any sense for Maga Porter Jr. to be an add in fantasy at this stage. That's how what you should be adding. Bilpa, straight into your pantry. Because why would you bother with a snack? A chocolatey, candy bar snack that's so jam-packed full of sugar and fat and calories that's going to make you balloon out into a big lard ball. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to look like I do. Who wants that? You want to look ripped. You want to look absolutely shredded. So why don't you go for the delicious treat that is a Bilt Bar? It's high in protein, but low in calories, but high in taste as well. And they've got their new Bilt Bar puffs as well. Marshmallow infused, pro- actually not marshmallow infused protein, because that would be weird. Protein infused marshmallowy goodness. So head to Bilt.com. Look at all the array of flavors and types that they've got with the Bilt Bar and the puffs and the bars and the broths and whatever else they've got. So much stuff. Bilt.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get yourself the best tasting protein bars ever. Built Bar is built different. Let's go into games. We've got eight of them to talk about. First one was the Sixers and the Knicks, the early game today. Um, big win to the Sixers, 125-109. Jim Harden's pretty good, I think. I think he's all right. 29, 10, and 16, five steals and three threes. 10 of 10 from the line. Um, 77 fantasy points. Someone said to me today, I don't know where it was, hey, do you think what Harden's doing is sustainable? Like, yeah, I, I feel okay about it. I think he's done it for about seven years in a row with a couple of little dips here and there. I think he's pretty good. I think he'll be fine. 
And I think, yeah, you're going to have maybe a top two player on your hands the rest of the way here. Embiid's fine as well. 37 and 9. Four blocks. Amazingly got to the line 27 times. 23 out of 27. And if you hate free throws like I do, you're not going to want to watch a ton of Sixers basketball because there's going to be lots of them. This could have been even bigger for Embiid because he was hyper inefficient. 39% shooting overall. But just big numbers from both of these blokes. Over the last 14 days, admittedly, not a huge amount of games given the All-Star break. Harden's the number one player and Embiid's number two. Tyrese Maxey. It's, if I had a sell-high alarm, I would do that. 37 minutes for Maxey. 21-7-3, two steals and three threes. And what I will always... Now, there is a huge chance, and I said this on one of the shows today, that he is the third star, not Tobias Harris now. That is totally possible. But what he is doing is just not going to sustain at this level of shooting. 60% from three here, 57 overall. He still had under 20% usage. The two steals are nice, but only three assists. And just think, if he doesn't play 37 minutes, which are likely bumped up because he shot so well, and he doesn't shoot so well, and he's at 46%, giving you 14, 4, and 3, okay, it's all right, but it's not this level. <clears throat> this is why we wanted to... I thought Maxi would become pretty close to a drop, but it's why we wanted to see what would happen when Harden arrived, and we're not dropping him, clearly. But I also think we'd be looking to sell high after these couple of games. I also think there's a bit of a buy-low for the Thick Hogsman, Tobias Harris. Um, I think I am a TH. T to the H! Yeah, TH for life! But I'd be really cautious with it. Because Harris is a guy that can sort of shrink into the background. He had 12 and 5 in 35 minutes on 33% shooting. He only took 9 shots. And it's possible he's the fourth usage option. So that's why when I say he's a buy low, yeah, he is. Because he's 193rd over the last two weeks. But he's 53rd for the season. Don't view him that way. Don't even view him as top 70. Probably don't even view him as top 90. You've got to go real low if you're going to buy low. Shake Milton's basically being kicked out of the rotation seven minutes for him, while the painter Matisse Thibel had his three steals. That's what he does. The eight and six is okay. It's not horrendous. There is value in some spots for him in 12-team in leagues. It's not for everybody, though, as it's always going to be the case. But the next, just more confusion, I guess. Um, Alec Burke started. Alec Burke. And was shithouse. And he, he's not particularly good. But the minutes are still there. 34 minutes, six points. Six rebounds and zero assists. I still think that he's a soft 12-team hold, but I get it if you don't want to deal with it. It's totally understandable to get rid of him. And in this game, we've got 26 minutes of Emmanuel quickly. 21-5-1. But when you're two point guards, Burks and Quickly combine for one assist, it's a bit of a problem. That's good from Quickly. 39% shooting is not great, but he got to the line eight times. I don't trust his minutes. I don't trust his shooting at all. So I don't think I'd add him in 12s. Fournier was good, 24 points. And Rowan Barrett. Um, I think at this point, you just got to look at Barrett and go, well, I know it's going to be a big drain on both percentages. 41% from the field on 22 attempts, and then 6 of 10 from the line. They are massive negatives. But 24, 5, and 6 is strong. Unfortunately, he didn't hit a 3. But he did have two steals. And despite all this good level of form, and despite the last game, him being really strong, with, what, 40-odd points... On a per-game basis, he's only played those two games over the last two weeks. On a per-game basis, he's still 175th. His numbers don't look great in uh, category leagues because of the absolutely horrendousness that is usually his lack of defense, his low-volume threes, and his bad percentages. Be aware of that, but he can help in certain areas. With um, Nerlens Noel dealing with plantar fasciitis and Taj Gibson dealing with being old, which amazingly disqualified him from the rotation, which under Tom Thibodeau is amazing. Jericho Sims, deeper leagues you want to add him, I reckon. 10 boards are still on a block in 18 minutes. Very interesting. Good blocker, good rebounder. Julius Randle struggled from the line. 58% on 12 attempts is bad. 31% overall is pretty bad as well. Well, Cam Reddish has the Quentin Grimes role here. Six points in 17 minutes with Grimes out for at least a couple of weeks. 
Mitchie Robinson fouled out in 17 minutes. Unfortunately, he didn't take it from here. Six points in those 17 minutes. Let's look at the next game. Game number two. Another sort of early game. Well, yeah, early-ish game. The Jazz beat the Suns 118-114. Don Mitchell. He's Don. He's good. He was um, really strong here. 26 points, five assists, two steals, and six triples. Jordy Clarkson was also really, uh, really, really good. J-O-R-D-A-N-C-L-A-R-K-S-O-N. 22 points, 59%. Now, he's not an, a, a shooter like this. We know this. But his production with um, Joe Ingles out has improved a little bit to be a 12-team league-ish player. Gobert only played the t- t- 29 minutes, 16 and 14 with three blocks. He had didn't have foul trouble, which just wasn't a good night. 39% overall shooting is bad. He was good from the line, but I wouldn't worry too much here. Well, Daniel House took the minutes of Royce O'Neal. 26 for Royce, 22 for Housey. Eight points for House, nine for O'Neal. I do not believe that Royce O'Neal is a 12-team league player. I don't believe that Daniel House will be either. Conley had 13, 2 and 3. Not a good night for him overall, but still solid enough. Well, Boyan Bogdanovich does this. 11 points, 2 rebounds, 2 assists on bad shooting, missed his only free throw. And he is now, what, the 113th ranked player this season? In a 10-team league, streaming his spot probably has more value. But we know he goes on, or can go on, insane hot streaks. And that makes in 12, you probably want to hold on. But the Suns, no Chris Paul, as you know, we're going to be saying all the way the rest of the season. So Devin Booker continues to roll. 37-7 and seven with two steals. Big numbers. DeAndre Ayton, 23-7 with two blocks. Really, really strong. 42 fantasy points. And then Cam Johnson needs to be rostered in all leagues. I don't know what's going to happen when campaign returns, but at this stage, I don't know when that's going to be. 23 points, four triples, five assists for Cam Johnson as a starter. And I don't think you need to bother with holding on to Aaron Holiday. 21 minutes, five points, 22% shooting. Like, Payne is definitely taking those minutes. Will Payne get 26 minutes and push Cam Johnson to the bench? Or will they just keep Devin Booker in the starting lineup? Yeah, I think that if you are desperately in chasing categories and you don't have spot to hold guys, like Payne's not that high of an upside player where you need to just absolutely hold on under all circumstances. Jay Crowder. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. I'm getting pretty nervous because this is three good games in a row. What kind of epic shit stain run of form are we going to have from him coming up? It could be hor- horrible, but it could also be all right. 16 points, four threes, and two seals. Not a terrible 12-team league option for now, just with those other absences. But be, be aware that some real bullshit could, uh, could smack here. It, it could really hurt. Be aware of that. The Boston Celtics taking on the Indiana Pacers, and the Pacers blow them out. 122-107. Al Horford was moved to the bench, and they said, oh, we're just going to limit his minutes. In the end, he didn't play after he played 37 minutes yesterday. Uh, so back-to-back, they, they limited him. They started Grant Williams, and he just got lost, really. Four points and missed both of his shots. Still on a block. He's been solid enough to be at least a 14-team league guy, and I'd keep with that. The Rock DJ played 33 minutes, 10 and 11 with four blocks for Rob Williams, so that's a positive. While Jalen Brown... JB, you've done it again! ...added in eight assists. Unfortunately, he was just one of four from the line, but good numbers there. Tatum had 24 as well. Let's talk about... Let's start a dialogue about Maximum Derek White. Maximum Derek. His last three games have given us 20, 20, and 22 minutes, and that is officially concerning. He had three blocks and a steal, so buoyed his value there. Had 11 points. I will, unless I'm like desperately in the mix or desperately need something to happen category league-wise or I'm in the playoffs, I would probably hold him, but it is trending down fast. And in a 10-teamer, I think you're going to have better value streaming him out, like getting rid of him. In a 12, it's going to depend who's there. But it's not looking great. 
35 minutes for Marcus Smart, 13-3 and 7, while Pritchard played 17 and had 14 and 6 with four threes. That's two good games in a row for Peyton Pritchard. And that is, I think that's something to pay attention to, especially for deeper leagues. Now, the paces were unbelievable in this game. They just couldn't really miss any of their shots, hit 52% from three, and we got some big performances. Halliburton had 22, 4, and 9. Brogdon played 29 minutes, had 20 and 6, 5 assists, 2 steals, and a block. They're working all right. Buddy Heald stayed in the starting line and played a ton. 38 minutes for Heald. And his production in Indiana, it's been great. Really impressive. Top 20 over the last two weeks he is. 21, 6, and 4, 2 threes and 2 steals for Heald. I could not have expected he would do what he's done. But with him playing this well, Chris Duarte, no good. 11 points in 26 minutes, 2 steals. I don't think... Now, I know that Brogdon could get hurt at any point. I don't think Duarte's upside's actually high enough to justify holding on to him in 12-team leagues. I would hold Isaiah Jackson. He played only 20 minutes, but he had foul trouble, so be, be aware of that. He still had 11-4 and four with three blocks. Now, I don't know about you, but 11-4 and four and three blocks is not someone I'm just casting aside because he played only 20 minutes in his second game back. I would hold on to him. O'Shea Brissett got unbelievably red hot. In the end, it looks like a Jordan Clarkson line. 27 points with six triples, zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks. But usually, he won't be this level of a shooter, but he'll also get your defensive stats. He's playing well, but again, his inefficiency problems leave him, you know, really leaves a lot to be desired in the ranking states. Over the last two weeks, he's played five games. He's played 33 minutes a night, and he's ranked 181st because of how bad the efficiency can be. Now, if you just want to froth over counting stats and you love your counters and you don't care about efficiency, then that, by all means, he's awesome. And he is probably, he is a must-roster player. But you've got to be aware of the big deficiencies that he brings. Jalen Smith had 12 and 10 in 26. It looks like, to me, he's a 12-team league player as well. Well, Goga got in for 16 minutes um, with the issue, the fouls for Jackson. Goga got into foul trouble himself. I don't think this is the beginning of a... Uh, yeah, minutes platoon between Jackson and Goga. And for those of you still frothing the Red Rooster, Terry Taylor, he played two garbage time minutes and he is not a guy that needs to be rostered really in any sort of 12 or 14 or probably even 16 team league at this point. But pro football's over. So I don't know why that matters for the Red Rooster. He looks like he, maybe he could have been a pro football player. Who knows? But basketball's full steam ahead in pro hoops and in college hoops. All the latest odds, totals, and player performance props. BetOnline.net is your number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds as well. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. The Clippers. The Rockets. Clippers get the win, 99-98. The... Rotation uncertainty. I know people say, I've heard this before, that people say, Josh Josh, or whoever else is talking about it, you overstate it. Ty Lue's rotations aren't crazy. It's just like every other coach. I, I completely disagree. There are a few other coaches who are like that, but yeah, I can't predict what's going to happen here. 34 minutes for Zubats. Hartenstein played 10. Okay? Hartenstein played over 20 of the last two. And it's a massive game for Zubats. Hit all five of his shots, had 14 and 15 with six blocks. That's gigantic. 54 fantasy points, but his last two games were dreadful. He probably should be a 12-team league guy, but it's hard to predict. And then Hartenstein plays 10 minutes, has 12 and 4 with two blocks. So if you did actually add him, that's not a bad line, but you have a level of uncertainty about how much he's going to play. Terrence Mann got into foul trouble, so he stayed at 27 minutes, but two steals and a block with nine points and eight boards is all right. 12-team league guy. And Reggie Jackson just doing the most. 38 minutes, 26 points, nine rebounds, six assists. I'm very, very skeptical 
of holding Paul George. I, I wouldn't do it. Um, again, he's going to need two weeks to ramp up. And we don't know, even know when he's going to get back into practice. I think he's not coming back. I, I, I don't think he's coming back. And talked about this as well. But yeah, Luke Kennard, like he played well. And he had three points in 23 minutes in this game. 14% shooting. You can't trust it. He was the most added player heading into today. You can't trust it. Marcus Morris had 13 points on 27%. Batum had a triple one, but played 21 minutes. Covington played 25 minutes and had eight points with two blocks, which is all right. Like Covington is a 12-team league guy at the moment, but the minutes are still so unpredictable for anybody. Really, like it is, it is especially the Hartenstein, Zubat, Zubat stuff, Canard, Coffey, Morris, Batum, like they're all over the place. It's hard, and, and the production's all over the place. Makes it hard to focus in and, and uh, yeah, really nail those blokes as guys to, to roster. Kevin Porter was out with an ankle injury. It's always something, apparently. Well, Den so Dennis Schroeder played 38 minutes. Not great. 11 points on 27%, but you love the 10 assists and 8 rebounds. As long as Porter is out, Schroeder has value. The wild thing, Jay Sean Tate. Even the wild thing's gone well. I can't do much about that. 32 minutes, 14 points, 6 rebounds, 4 steals. Really big game from Tatey. Again, it's hard to get a full gauge on him because he seems to be all over the place, but this was good. While the delicate dancer, Alperen Sengun. It's a delicate dance in just 17 steps. Like, we love it. 15 points in 16 minutes is great. The shooting from the line is not good. The lack of assist deals and blocks is poor. And the fact that he played just 16 minutes, it's impossible, I think, to hold on to him. And that's what we've been saying for months. It's hard, very hard. Now, Jalen Green was the guy who said, hey, look, let's take a fly. Let's see where it goes. 10 points on 22% shooting is horrific. The fact that he took 18 shots is great, but... That's not great. Now, I would the overall production is not great. I would still hold him and just see what happens over this next week. Well, Eric Gordon was just as bad. Six points on 22% uh, shooting. Gary Bird hurt his ankle early. Garrison Matthews ended with 26 minutes, though. He came back into the game. 17 points, four triples, and two steals. He's a nice points and three streamer. While Christian Wood was very quiet, especially early, but ended with 15 and seven in 32 minutes. And again, he, the value of Shangun is just going to be tied to Wood not playing. And I just don't think that's going to be the case unless he gets hurt, which is really, really tough to predict. The Pistons and the Hornets. Overtime win for Detroit on the back of Cali Olenek. Best game for Olenek since maybe all season. 24 minutes, 20 points, four triples, eight rebounds, two steals. He got some extra minutes because Alf Stewart was in some um, foul trouble early on. Is that you, Mr. Stewart? Well, who the hell else do you think it'd be? Get in here, you pair of flaming galahs. And Marvin Bagley was out. So it's great that Olenek did this. I, I'm not. I'm watching. I'm watching closely. I'm watching what the minutes are going to be like. But if Bagley plays next game and Stewart plays 30, then I just don't think it's going to happen. The depressed penis had 28 and 8. Good game from Sadiq. Well, Jeremy Grant started out poorly, but ended out pretty good. 26 points, 4 triples, 58% shooting, a steal and a block. And Hamadou Diallo played 25 minutes with 3 steals. And the Corey Joseph, Killian Hayes, what the fuck's going on here? Sorry, kids, for the no warning. I don't know how to work it out. Hayes goes like 30 minutes, 18 minutes, 30 minutes, 18 minutes. He played 31 here. Only six points. And again, the offense is a worry. But seven boards, seven assists and a steal. He's a really good passer. He's a really strong defender. He's a good assist and steal stream sort of option. Well, Joseph had two points in 22 minutes and the dude should not start. But I'm convinced Detroit, even though they won this game, has one of the worst head coach general manager combinations in the NBA. Cade Cunningham had some foul trouble, had some struggles from the line, but 19-5-6 and six is pretty good counting stats-wide, but obviously not his best, and he's still got plenty of room to improve. For the Hornets, Miles Bridges played 43 minutes, 29-10-5 with three blocks. Big game from Miles, 58 fantasy points. Rogier had 33-5 with six triples and 47 fantasy points, and Lamelo 17-7-7. So big games from the big stars. 
And then, yeah, if I'm going to criticize um, Ty Lu's inconsistency, I've got to do it for your mate, James Brago, because I can't track this. Mason Plumley goes 35, 18, 27, 19. Like, the minutes don't make any sense. He did have some foul trouble here, so that's worth noting. 5, 7, and 3 for Mason Plumley. While Montrez Harrell, did Brago watch him play and go, oh, what am I doing giving this guy 30 minutes? He's played under 24 the last two. Two points, four rebounds, four assists for Montrez Harrell. Took one shot. That's two really substandard games. I wouldn't drop him, but over the last two weeks, he's played five games, averaged 31 minutes, and he's ranked 128. He could very, very quickly become a 12-team drop. Very quickly. Cody Martin was ruled out and then played 33 minutes, 13 points with, I think it was ruled doubtful maybe, uh, three, three steals, hit all six of his shots, don't rush to grab him because of this game, he's a good steal stream. Well, Kelly Oubre, again, the wild inconsistencies, 38 minutes or 24 minutes, 24 minutes in overtime he played, like not in overtime because that's five minutes, but in an overtime game he played 24 minutes and had 15 points. The production's all over the place, that's why he's hard to like recommend as a must roster guy, because it's just so up and down. Same with Peach. PJ Washington played 32, 10 and 6. Steal on a block. I would have Washington over Harrell, over Plumley, over Ubre, over Martin, pretty clearly. But still as a back-end guy. While well, the God of Hammers played 11 minutes, JT Thor. We know each other. He's a friend from work. I think he's going to get taken out of the rotation when McDaniels um, and Haywood, if he ever returns, when uh, those guys end up returning. This one, what a crazy, crazy game this was. Dallas put on like a 26-1 to run through the fourth quarter to win it. 107-101 over the Warriors. And they were led, somehow, by Spencer Dinwiddie. 31 minutes, 24-4-5. Now, I'll tell you this, and I'll, it's something I haven't really noticed or mentioned much before the last week or so, but it's something that I always had subconsciously in my head, and it's worth noting. Right, you will see, you will follow Mavericks people, you will see that, and they'll get tweeted, and they'll talk about, oh man, he was awesome, he was so great. Look how great he is for us. And he was great here. He was unbelievable. And the fit here in Dallas is significantly better than it was in Washington. And if you wanted to take a flyer on Spencer Dinwiddie, there's room for him to play these minutes. Absolutely there is. But they'll, start, they'll say, oh, look how great he was. He was so good. Yeah, look, he was 80% on his two, 71% overall. That's that's what great form. But we know, we should know from a fantasy point of view when you look at that and you go, uh-oh. Like that, there's no way of that sticking. What else can he do? Is the usage high enough? It's not far off. Is he giving enough rebounds and assists and steals? Like, not really. We know that this won't stick. We know that it has no way of maintaining. But the minutes and the usage are the encouraging factors here. And that's what I try and encourage you all to do when viewing players, is that don't get caught up in the hype because we all, if this guy gets hot and shoots 80%, that's all well and good, but it has no predictive ability for the future. I and mean, that's what we need to be looking at when deciding what we're doing with these guys. It's great. You got He's on your team and he does it. That's fantastic. Well, you love, you take that production. You love it. But it's got nothing that moves moves us forward. Um, Brunson played 32 still, even with Dinwiddie playing well. He wasn't great. Eight points with five assists, but we're still holding. Well, Doncic had 34 and 11 and Bertans hit a couple of threes. He's a deeper league three-point streamer. The Muxy Kleber, eh, look, 18 minutes, two points, six rebounds. This is the problem I have with Kleber. I know he can be solid, but there's inconsistencies. And again, he's not a must-roster guy because of those inconsistencies. You can stream him in. You can have him on your roster. You can drop him. 14s is a little bit easier to hold, but he's all over the place. Well, Reggie Block, eh, the two blocks is nothing that's going to happen every time. 12 points and four threes, though. That's what he brings. And it was a strong game from Finney Smith, 14 and nine. A guy that's got no upside, 
but has, I guess, a solid enough floor that when you head towards the playoffs, that sort of play is useful. The Warriors decided they were going to start um, my, my mate, Moses Moody. When you look at Modi, Moody, Modi, Moody, Modi, Moody, Modi, Moses Moody, Moses Moody. He started in place of Clay Thompson, had five points in 25 minutes. You would have assumed that Jordan Poole would start. He did not. Maybe thankfully so, because he was terrible. Four points in 19 minutes for Poole, missed all seven of his shots and had seven rebounds. I wouldn't drop him after this, but he is averaging just 23 minutes over his last five games. It's trending down. It's trending down pretty rapidly. Gary Payton played 27 minutes with no clay. He had three steals, a great steal streamer and a field goal percentage guy, while Curry had 27, 4, and 10. And Kavon Looney had a 8, 10, and 5 with three steals. Big games from those guys. Wiggins, the struggles continue for him. He's ranked 251st in the last two weeks with 18 points, which is good, but two rebounds of shithouse. Um, bad shooting from the field and from the line as he continues his uh, little struggle that he had. And there's not really much else there. Kaminga played only 17 minutes with some foul trouble. He had nine and four, but two steals and a block. I guess you look at him as a back-end 12-team league guy, but not someone that I'm just hanging on to and assuming that the numbers are going to be great. Now, there was, I guess, a small update on Draymond Green that he joined back into practice. I don't think this is any indication that he's remotely you know, going to be back in the next three weeks. Maybe he's back right on three. But again, how does that make sense for your team? What will his minutes look like when he's back? Do you need to deal with the zeros for this time frame? Only you can answer that question. I'd be pretty skeptical about it. We're getting into that stage of the season where anyone that's out for a couple of weeks, you just don't bother with them because we're in the fantasy playoffs. Same with, with that alleged update on Damian Lillard getting, not alleged because Mark Stein knows what he's talking about. He's going to get reevaluated in two to three weeks. And you know what they're going to say at that reevaluation? Just sit out the rest of the year. That's what I think they're going to say, that he might get reevaluated right online where, where the initial reevaluation was thought to take place. I don't think he's coming back. And I don't think waiting for him, I, I, I don't think it's the right move. But I'm pretty skeptical about injured players in general. I just don't want that headache of dealing with you know, zeros on my roster or inability to make moves or inability to use my injured reserve and players where it doesn't make a ton of sense for them to return, much like where Damian Lillard... Draymond Green's going to come back at some point, but is he going to have an impact for us through the fantasy playoffs? I'm pretty, pretty skeptical about that. All right, next game, Denver very, very comfortably handles Portland, 124-92. Big Chungus, Nikola Jokic. Big, big Chungus, big Chungus, big Chungus. Big, big. Only played 26 minutes because it was a blowout. Eight points, that's rough. 18 boards, 11 assists, and a steal. Still gets it done. He threw, again, one of the most ridiculous passes you'll ever see. Monty Morris missed the shot, unfortunately, but it was just ludicrous. I don't know how, I don't know how much we take out of this game. Again, it was over so early. Aaron Gordon played under 23 minutes. Monty Morris played 23. Will Barton played 22. Now, Morris, Gordon, and Barton weren't particularly good, but I wouldn't worry about it too much in the scheme of things, considering how this game went. We had massive performances from Boogie Cousins. 18 minutes, 19, 8, and 6, a steal and a block. 70% shooting and two threes. A couple of things to note. Zeke Nagy was out. This was a blowout. And Boogie has played like 13, 14 minutes a night. So no, you don't want to add Boogie Cousins based off this game. Deeper leagues, Sure. There isn't a guarantee that Boogie even stays in the rotation. I think he should, but Jermichael Green also played well. 20 and 10 in 27 minutes with two steals and a block. Zeke Nagy had been playing very well before his knee gave him a problem. So someone's going to miss out there. So don't add in 12s, nor, nor with Jermichael Green, obviously. Bryn Forbes had 17, Jeff Green had 14, but it was just a, a, a game that was too easy, and they won it comfortably. The Big Stiffy played 27 seconds. And then didn't return due to ankle soreness. So we'll monitor that. That put Faku back into the rotation. He had two blocks, amazingly. Shot 17%, less amazing. 
and is not really someone we need to care about for fantasy too much. For the Blazers, Justice Winslow is out. We hope this Achilles issue doesn't last too much longer, but there's always a chance that it does. CJ Allaby brought good defensive stats, three steals and two blocks, but we don't trust that. Drew Eubanks was good, 29 minutes, 13 and 10. That That is 12 team adjacent. I would scoop him in 14s and I'd consider it in 12s. Josh the Hitman Hart had 11, 6, and 4 with two steals, and Simon struggled for 16, 2, and 4. And Hart and Simons are going to have these nights where they struggle, trying to carry a team because they're not good enough to do that on a night-by-night -night basis. And when the team gets blown out, they'll just lose their minutes, or they'll lose some minutes to preserve them. So just be aware of that. Keon Johnson started for Justice Winslow. He had four points on 20%. I don't think he's making any noise. Or Trinan Watford struggled. Brandon Williams had 12 points in 24 minutes with seven dimes. Watch him for deeper formats, but he's only, I think, a two-way guy. And Greggy Brown had three steals in 21 minutes. He's not a guy that's going to get a huge amount of minutes. He reminds me very much of former Blazer Derek Jones Jr., a guy that can uh, bring defensive stats, but he's never going to be entrusted to big minutes. But, you know, 16 team leagues, maybe we can have a look at something there for um, Greg Brown. But the guy I'm more interested in here is Drew Eubanks, who had a, a solid enough performance. Again, it's not a must, and it's a 14 team league, sure. You yeah, would add him in 12s, put him on the borderline, but a, a relatively solid performance from Drew Eubanks in this game. So let's do the last game. The uh, <laughs> the Pelicans, um, they smashed them. They just smashed the Lakers, 123-95. It was embarrassing for the majority of this game. Let's talk about the good things first. Let's talk about the Pelicans side. McCullum played 34 minutes, 24-5-8 with three steals. He's been excellent since arriving in New Orleans, a top 10 player. I have some skepticism that he continues along this path, but maybe not. Maybe she's going to be this good. Ingram had 19, 5, and 8. Didn't hit any threes. Had two steals, but some good numbers, apart from the free throws. Well, Herbalife Jones, three steals is great. 11, 6, and 3 is serviceable. Remember how good he was shooting the ball to begin the year, and it made no sense compared to where he was in college? Well, he's really dropping off at the moment. Um, steals, yes, they're great. Right. 11 and 6 is fine. I think he's still a 12-team league player. Points leagues, probably not. Yeah, but we're losing a bit. 30 minutes for Jackson Hayes is very encouraging. He's a must-roster player. 11-9 and nine with two steals and a block, while Valanciunas only needed to play 28 minutes in this one. Jonas Vassal Inuansas. 19-10 and 10 with two steals. Not much else to really talk about. Devontae Graham's not a 12-team league guy. You can go and drop him. For the Lakers. Um, yeah. Fucking goat outside. It's just a goat. No. LeBron's numbers look great. 36 minutes, 32 and 6, 3 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks, 57% shooting, 100% from the line. I don't think he played well. He looks completely rooted. His knees don't look good. He can't really get any lift. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be surprised if he does make it through the end of the season. I know he wants to play through. He wants the scoring record, blah, blah, blah. I'm not sure his body's going to hold out. I'm very, very worried about it. I wouldn't say that you have to trade him away, but I'm very worried about it. Mallow had 13 and 5 in 30 minutes. He's a 12-team league guy at the moment. I think Dwight's close. 11 boards, a block, and 60%. Westbrook was horrible. At least he hit his free throws, but 16 and 6, he had one assist with seven turnovers. Didn't hit a three. He's barely a top 100 player in category leagues this year. Poor night from Horton Tucker. He still had five assists in a steal, and he's on the fringes of being a 12-team league guy. In fact, I think he probably is, if you can deal with the weird field goal stuff. And then after that, Trevor Ariza is not an NBA player anymore. He had three points. Stanley Johnson had four points in 12 minutes. DeAndre Jordan's nine minutes was some of the worst nine minutes you will ever see. Um, Austin Reeves was bad. Two points in 21 minutes. 
I don't think you can hold on to Malik Monk. If they're not going to play him, he missed all five of his shots. He wasn't good. Uh, only played 24 minutes. The upside's not high enough, I don't think, to hold through this bullshit. This team is... Uh, they're bad. They're just very, very bad. I don't think Anthony Davis is returning this season. I think LeBron's going to struggle to make it. Um, they're just really, really bad. And they brought it on themselves, unfortunately. Let's look at the lines of the night. The monstrous is James Harden. Your waiver wire line of the night is Jermichael Green. The young gun is Tyrese Halliburton. And your dud of the night is Mason Plumley. Top 10 players today in nine category leagues. Number one, Harden, then Miles Bridges, Joel Embiid, Luka Doncic, Ivica Zubats, LeBron James, Tyrese Halliburton, CJ McCollum, Nikola Jokic, and Terry Rozier. For the guys rostered in under 50% of leagues, Jermichael Green was at number one. I don't really care about that. Kelly Linick, I'm going to watch it, but not, not an ad. DeMarcus Cousins, not an ad. Emmanuel Quickly's a watch as well, not an ad. Jeff Green, Bryn Forbes, Peyton Pritchard, don't care at all. They're just deeper league players. Gary Bird's an interesting streamer for points and threes. Kevon Looney probably is a 12-teamer, and Gary Payton's got some 12-team ability as a steals guy, but not anything more than that. And your top 10 players for um, points leagues, Harden, Embiid, Bridges, Zubats, Booker, Curry, Doncic, LeBron, McCullum, and Jokic. That'll do it for today's show. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, give it a thumbs up and leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.